Hey, this is Chris Tucker from Better With Butter, and I am with SoFlow Vegan. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. On this episode, we have Chris Tucker from Better With Butter. And you may have also seen him on ABC's The Great American Baking Show, Inside Edition, and California Live. We were honored to have him on our show talking about his background, talking about his vegan journey, some of the amazing experiences he's been able to have, and so much more. So we want to thank him so much for being on the show. And we also have a big thank you to give to our sponsors, Sobe Vegan. Not only did they sponsor this episode, but they also sponsored our vegan night event with the Miami Heat. They are official food vendors for the event so everyone's going to be heading over there first having some great food some discounted food and then we're going to make our way over to the arena now this we'll talk a little bit more about this type of event later on the show but we definitely want to say thank you to Sobe vegan and then later in the episode after our interview with chris tucker we will have a spotlight of Sobe vegan on the show so thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. And today, as you already know, we have Chris Tucker, Chef Chris Tucker from the Great American Baking Show. Just one of the things he's from. He's done a lot of Things. We get to talk about it here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. What's up? Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you and to dig deep into your experiences, kind of what you've been going through, how your life has changed. But before we do that, we have a bit of a tradition here on the SoFlow Vegans podcast to ask you about your vegan origin story. So Tell us, what were those seeds that were planted? How did you get to the point where you decided to go vegan? Do you know, my, so my vegan origin story is many, 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 many years long. Um, I was extremely overweight and it, it's, it's one of those things that um, it, it is just, it's in my genes to just be on the heavier side. Now, I, I want to preface all of this that I'm about to say with um, the fact that veganism is not at all a weight loss uh, journey. It's not a weight loss way of life, but I will get into why this makes sense. So when I was in the eighth grade, um, I went to the doctor. My dad and I were very sick at the same time. We both had like a really bad flu or something. And we both went to the doctor and I weighed in at 220 pounds in the eighth grade. And so I remember coming out of the doctor's office and being like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. So I need to start making some changes or I'm going to probably end up being really unhealthy when I get older in life. Um, so it was at that point that I cut out red meat and I cut out um, pork. I basically went to only eating chicken and fish. 
Um, that's kind of how my journey would go for the next probably 10 years of my life. And then I got to a point where I was just vegetarian. Um, and one of the things that I was holding on to was, was dairy. I just thought that like, I couldn't let go of cheese. Cheese was my, it was my love child. I couldn't let it go. Like I'm, I'm a baker, I, you know, I cook with cream cheese and butter and uh, all these things. And it wasn't until one day that I just let go and, and bought a vegan product in the grocery store um, that I was like, oh, th this stuff actually tastes really good. And I have to say what really flipped the switch for me was watching um, probably a documentary that a lot of people have gone vegan after watching, which is... Um, not Seaspiracy because that's a new one. Um, but uh, help me out here. What year? What year was this? Uh, it's. I think it's been around for a long, long time. Works over knives. Uh, Cowspiracy. Uh, Cowspiracy. What Cowspiracy. Oh, it was what the hell? It was what the hell? Okay. <laughs> what the hell? That did it. Yeah. Um, and so it was. It was watching that, and I'm like, oh, so this is. This is this is the bigger picture. This is the bigger picture that that we don't know as consumers. And you know, as somebody who's going out and you know cooking for meals for people constantly, and um, you know providing a service of, of a baked good to people, you know that that you can order online. It it just seemed like. I was participating in that unethical way of life um, as a as a person who was who was um, you know giving the product to people to consume, and so not only did I go vegan at that time, but I also was only going to be doing vegan stuff. So if you wanted to hire me as as a chef, um, I I only do vegan things now. And so um, I, you can't hire me to come into your kitchen and do a do a meal and serve chicken because that's not in my ethics anymore. And I think it's really important um, to to understand where all of that lies in your brain and in your conscious. And, you know, I think um, th that was pro probably the biggest switch for me was watching that documentary and going. Um, Wow, I just can't be a part of it. I don't care. I don't care what things what things I have to give up. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I don't feel like I gave up anything because the vegan marketplace is so incredible now. Like the products that we have available for vegans are amazing. And so uh, there was no there was no handoff for me. Uh, I just had to take the leap and and go into it and have an open mind. And I'm as satisfied as I ever was. And that's that's huge because a lot of people have that misconception. I had that misconception when I went vegan, and it wasn't even a close. Well, it was close. I'm exaggerating, but it was a lot different than it is today with the amount of brands that are coming, a lot of brands that are going public. Like I heard just Just Egg or that company is going to be going public um, really soon. We have Impossible. So it's like the industry is kind of morphing to support 
support, not just from anecdotal evidence and just from people saying, I love being vegan, but from, hey, this could be an economical um, situation for you as a business. So to hear you say that is great and the reason we have this segment. So let's go a little bit now into now you're vegan, you're matching your ethics with your practices and you know, obviously we, we started off with your on the great American baking show, but take us to that journey. How do you get to that point where you have this opportunity? That was quite, I guess you could just say by happenstance, you know, I've always, I've always kind of been in the kitchen. I've always been a chef. I've always been a baker. And, um, I grew up in the kitchen. My, my uh, grandma from my mom's side, she taught me everything I knew about baking. And um, she um, just kind of instilled in me like all of these, all of these little tricks of the trade that she had learned along the way. And then my other set of grandparents, they actually owned a restaurant in Georgia. And so um, I'm originally from Florida. And so I would go up and spend the summers with them in Georgia and work at the restaurant. And so my background has always been in cuisine. Um, but when I graduated high school and I moved out to California, I actually went to hair school. So I had this career in hair. I did hair for about 10 years and um, I just really lost a passion for it. I wasn't happy. I wasn't excited about what I was doing anymore. And I just knew that I had to make a change. So on the side, I was still baking, I was still cooking, I was still doing all of those things that were inspiring me as a person and posting them on social media. My husband's actually in the entertainment industry. And so he would repost some of my stuff. And a casting person saw something that he posted of mine and reached out to him and said, Hey, do you think your husband would be interested in um, auditioning for the Great American Baking Show? And so he asked me, and he was like, do you think you'd ever want to do this? And I said, maybe it's the time uh, that it would lead into a career change for me. And so um, I auditioned for the show. It was a really interesting, grueling process to get on the show. You have to, you know, submit all these photos and recipes, and then you have to go in front of a judging panel at this hotel. And then you have to do like a mock bake-off in this um in this culinary kitchen with a bunch of other people and they're filming you just to see how you would be on camera. You know, so it was weeks and weeks and, and several different callbacks to actually get on the show. And then there was the prep for the show, which was, which was really exciting. And, you know, it's one of those things that you have to be hardcore passionate about, or you just, you, you wouldn't be successful at it. Um, and then again, the show took place in London. So we all got to go over to London and experience the culture that, you know, is London. And we got to shoot in London and just be there for like six weeks. And it was an incredible experience. It was an incredible um, time. It was my first time going to London. So to be able to go over there um, on the expense of a show is really amazing because, I mean, somebody else is paying for your trip to go and, you know, experience, experience a different place. And it was really fun. It was, it was really fun. So let's go into, okay, the show's out. Like, what are, what's your current, you know, how has your life changed? Did it make impact? Maybe did it make a significant impact? Like, 
a lot of people don't have this experience. So like, take us into your mind. Like, what is your look like now? So I, what I realized when I was overshooting the show was that one of the things that I had never experienced was being on camera. Um, <clears throat> again, I moved out to LA to be a hairstylist, not to be an actor. So I never had like, I wasn't going out for auditions or doing any, any, you know, it, it, anything in that realm. And so going over to London and shooting the show was my first time really experiencing being in front of the camera. I've like I said, my husband is in the entertainment industry. So I've been on set. I've always, you know, kind of been around the industry, but never, never in, in, never in the talent aspect of it. And so when I was over there, I realized that I was really comfortable in front of the camera, but I also really enjoyed it. And so when I came home, I had this conversation with my husband, like, I really enjoyed being in front of the camera. I really enjoyed cooking in front of the camera. What, like, where do we go from here? Like, what does this mean? Do I go back to doing hair? Do I try to start a business with, you know, my baked goods? Like, what happens now? And I think being on any type of reality TV, you have to really use it as a platform, right? It's, it's a springboard. It's a jumping off point to your next thing because it's really easy to have people contact you to be on the next reality show. You will get a million phone calls for people to, um, people to cast you on the next food show, on the next food show, on the next competition show. And so it's really important to say, what do I want from this experience? And what I wanted from that experience was to launch my own thing. I wanted to launch my own brand. I wanted to do more work on camera. I wanted to, um, you know, really have that independence of an entrepreneur. And so to me, that didn't mean going on and doing the circuit of just the never-ending, um, the never-ending uh, competition food shows that there are out there. There are a dime a dozen, right? And once you do one, you can get cast on any of them. And so that just wasn't my journey. Some people really enjoyed that. And so um, I never went back to doing hair. I st I turned all of my clients that were um, my hair clients, I contacted all of them and I said, listen, I'm going full steam ahead with doing um, food and I would like you to consider me for your next you know, event. And I started doing people's baby showers. I started doing people's wedding cakes. I started doing um, people's bar mitzvahs and, and just different things like that. And so I think um, it took that entrepreneurial brain to say, okay, how can I use my current clientele that I spent 10 years building and just flip them into a different type of client? Most of my clients, you know, they, they had all eaten my stuff because I would make cookies and I would bring them into the shop. Or when I was prepping for the show, I would bring in stuff that I was, that I was you know, in the kitchen testing recipes on. I would bring that into the shop because it was constant. It was just a constant turn of, of different baked goods in, in our kitchen. And so I would always just be bringing stuff in. And so people got a sense of what my, what my level of skill was. And so when I hit people up to say, 
this is what I'm doing and I'm going full steam ahead with it. It, it, it wasn't a hard ask for people to just say, yeah, I'll give you a chance and hire me for their, their next thing. And I still have clients to this day that, you know, have me come and cater a full event for them, have, have me do a birthday cake or whatever the case may be. So I think it's, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I've done several different things now in the TV space and they just continue. And it's just a really fun thing to trust your gut, do the next thing and put one foot in front of the other. That's exciting that you turned this opportunity into an opportunity to, you know, step into the entrepreneurial space and to create and craft what that next thing is going to be. Because, you know, and not in a situation like you, but I had an opportunity to go through that whole ABC situation and be on an episode of The Hustler. And for me, it's like, wow, like it just kind of shows you how you show up in different spaces and it kind of validates, okay, this is a role or position I feel comfortable in, but it's up to you to figure out what that next step is. So to hear that you're, you've moved into this realm and you're still getting opportunities is super cool. So go ahead. It's like you're going to follow up to that. I mean, exactly what you just said. It's all about trusting your gut. And then uh, when things are continuously happening, you know, you're doing the right thing. So all these experiences that you've had, I think we might have talked about it offline, but you were in the great American baking show. You appeared on Inside Edition, California Love, on the red carpet. So all those experiences, what stood out the most? Is there a story or something that happened that kind of like is always in the back of your head like, whoa, that was different or that was cool? I want to say that one of the things that really stands out is probably over um, quarantine. So pretty recently, we launched what what was the Cake Initiative. And the Cake Initiative was basically um, us supplying a birthday cake once a week to a family in need. You know, we were in this we were in this crisis together. We we were all in lockdown. We were all in. Um, just a state of like, we don't know. And a lot of people have lost their jobs. And I was out one day delivering a birthday cake to a family and I was driving past all of these stores that had closed down. And I just had this thought like behind every single one of these stores is a business owner. And behind those business owners are families. And each one of those families has kids and they have birthdays. And when you think about birthdays, you think about celebrations that have cakes. And those are sometimes the most the most expensive portions of a birthday celebration is just getting a cake. You know, they can be expensive. And so from that, from that thought of me driving to deliver this, this, you know, hundred dollar birthday cake to somebody who obviously wasn't affected by the pandemic economically, mm-hmm. um, was birth the the cake initiative and we had a really great feature on spectrum news where they followed us to actually deliver one of the birthday cakes and it was um just a really special moment where we got to you know give this deserving family um their child he was turning 13 that day a birthday cake because they were you know in a, in a time where they just couldn't afford it. And it actually turned into a um, 
a global a global initiative. So we had people all over the states, different right. bakers, join in the initiative. We had people in India, in the UK, um, Canada. So it was just one of those call to actions that I put out on Instagram. And we had people from all over the world just get on board and start baking with us for people who were a little less fortunate in this time. Wow, that's super cool that you were able to get that. That initiative, this came from you being observant, looking to kind of see where we are with the people, with the businesses being shut down. And then that kind of just turned into this global initiative. So right yeah. now, if people want to know more about that particular initiative, where could they find more information? Yeah, so if you go to my Instagram, Betta with Butter, you can um, check out the highlight portion um, in my homepage. And there are different bakers from all everybody that's a part of the initiative. It's all in the highlight section of my Instagram page. All right, and that's cool. And I'm going to take a quick segue with you saying better with butter. So I've heard that you're one of the things that you enjoy doing is veganizing different recipes. So because we're talking about baking, what are some things that you can say that might blow people's mind in terms of how they can quickly veganize certain recipes that maybe they felt could never be vegan? Well, I think... Going back to what you mentioned earlier about just egg going, you know, going public. If you take a cake recipe, one of the hardest things to, one of the hardest things to, I think, make vegan is a cake recipe. Because you lose a lot of your texture by taking your eggs out because they, they bring a lot of that light airiness to the cake. I have found recently that if you actually just substitute, um, just egg in the recipe that it turns out the same. So if you just swap in vegan butter and just egg, your whole recipe becomes vegan and your cake is then vegan. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty quick and simple way to turn your just normal recipe that you might have that's been passed down from, you know, your great, great grandmother. Um, it might be like her chocolate cake or what have you, but it has four eggs in it. All you have to do is swap in some just egg and vegan butter and you have, you have the recipe that your great grandma used to make, but now it's vegan. And the cool thing about just egg as a substitute, and we're not sponsored by them on this episode, but it kind of sounds like we are. Um, the good thing about just egg is that they are bringing the price down on, on the cost. Cause I think they're opening up a manufacturing plan in the United States are expanding what they currently have. So I feel like there's a lot of people out there who enjoy the challenge of a new recipe. So even if you're not vegan, this could be a good opportunity to be put together one of your favorite recipes and bring it because we probably at this point have one or two coworkers, our friend, our family member that's coming over for the holidays and say, hey, guess what? You know what? As a as a vegan, you know, for several years, that would mean so much to me if like one of my friends or family member went out of their way to create something that the rest of the people are going to eat, be eating and not just like, hey, we got this bag of lettuce. I'm exaggerating. But this bag of lettuce and carrot sticks for you because we know you're vegan. You know, that would be so cool. So those two tips are like amazing because it's just like you said, two simple swaps. And now margarine. Tell me about margarine. How how does that fit into the vegan spectrum? So I 
I really only use when baking, uh, baking, cooking, whatever the case may be. I really only use Miyoko's. Um, their butter, I think, is is by far the. It's just hands down. I do. I have no affiliation with them. I do no know anything with them. I just think I've tried, I would say everything on the market um, when it comes to butter products. And I use them for everything. I keep my fridge stocked full of it. And it's just, it's what I use. I think it has the best like buttery flavor, but it also browns. So if you're baking something and it calls for browned butter, which sometimes you get in like, you know, you might do like a brown butter chocolate chip cookie um or something you know you might even have like a brown butter sauce on something savory their product actually browns like a normal butter would which is really again it's the science behind it which is mind-blowing because if you're thinking about a regular uh dairy butter what's actually browning inside of that is the proteins so um, it's really interesting how they have just mimicked what happens in regular dairy butter, and they have been able to do that in this vegan um, butter. And the taste, again, is just phenomenal, and it translates in uh, in baking as well in in um, savory things. So if I'm doing like a vegan scallop and I want to do um, some, you know, like just a, a really quick butter sauce on that vegan scallop, it tastes just like just like regular butter and so i would always i would always say you know use quality products um when it comes to your vegan space because it definitely does make a difference and so you have i'm sure a lot of recipes that you're super proud of but if you had to pick one put one on display right now for everyone to listen to could you describe what that item is and why you love it so much i would probably say my vegan and gluten-free chocolate chip cookies um i have been making them before i was vegan and it you can't tell they're vegan i don't you can't tell anything that i make is vegan to be honest which i think is always the best i think the best um compliment anybody can give you as a vegan baker or chef is when they taste something that you've made and they're just like this is are you sure this is vegan <laughs> um but i just i love the fact that i i've combined some oat flour into it and some almond flour and then like i said they're gluten-free as well but um they just taste like a normal amazing gluten like not gluten-free but a normal like just chocolate chip cookie and again using that miyoko's butter they just are super buttery they're very nice and crisp on the outside but they're super um gooey on the inside still uh, even after they've been sitting for a couple of days so it's one of my favorite so because you're a chef and you and you cook for a living and you have amazing recipes like those chocolate chip cookies sound really good um what are your go-to's to snack on you know, it could be, it could, let's just go with what you, what you don't make for yourself. Cause I'm sure you can make whatever you want, but like if your go-to, what's your go-to um, snacks as a vegan? My go-to snacks probably like on a daily basis are 
um, chips and salsa. Uh, I eat them religiously. And I also do a lot of like, um, I'll do a lot of like, <clears throat> trying to think what I eat a lot of. I mean, I obviously eat a lot of sweets because I'm constantly baking, but I eat a lot of like eggs, just eggs, obviously. And I'll do them with like, a, I'll do like a scramble and I'll, I'll eat that. But I also do like a lot of bean, like a bean salad with um, like a tomato cut up into it, maybe even an avocado cut up into it. And then just lightly dressed with salt, pepper and olive oil is a really great like midday, especially now that it's super warm out. It's a great like afternoon snack. It's not going to be super filling, but it's just something that's super light. There's a little bit of protein because of the beans. I usually use garbanzo because they're a little bit more neutral in flavor. Tomatoes are amazing right now. Um, and it's just super light. You can put some fresh herbs in there and just really like, just, just really, I always say, eat what's available at your farmer's market. So if your farmer's market is is really plentiful of of um, of mushrooms. If it's really plentiful of tomatoes, if it's really plentiful of peaches, that means that stuff is really in season and fresh. That means that when you cut it up and you're putting it in a salad, or you're using, if you just want to eat it, like you know, you just want to eat that peach, you're not going to have to season it a lot because it's going to have so much flavor on its own because it's really ripe and in season. Okay, so. Let's go a little bit backwards and Oh back- wait, let me talk let me tell you what I eat a lot. It just came to my mind. <laughs> Do you know what I eat a lot of is fruise balls. Do you know those things? No, I don't know what that is. They're like these little round date balls that are stuffed with peanut butter and jelly and they're coated with coconut on the outside. Okay, okay. Is that something yeah. that is that you could just buy it or you have to are you, you make can, it? You can buy it. Yeah. I think they have them like at Whole Foods, but they just started carrying them at Costco and they're a lot cheaper there, which is why I eat so much of them now. <laughs> so fruise balls. Yeah. Fruise balls, yeah. Okay, okay. I gotta check those out. Um, so going just a little bit backwards into your experience. Um, on the show, on the Great American Baking Show. Did you come up against anyone who may have had certain feelings towards the vegan lifestyle? Did people see you as a threat? Like, what was that particular experience that you went through? I can't, no, not that I, not that I recall. I mean, everybody on the show was, it was a pretty, everybody is, is pretty much like so stressed on the show (laughs) Um, so behind the scenes everybody is just like when the cameras are off and everybody's down everybody is so mentally exhausted that they're just they're just either silent or on the phone back you know back home to their loved ones because the time difference is so extreme so i think it's it's one of those things where people are so focused and concentrated on what they know the next thing is that we're having to film um, that there wasn't a lot of space for that. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good thing because it then Which allows you, allows you just to be a baker on a show with other bakers. So it's not, exactly. you're not making a big deal about what you're doing. You kind of give you that even playing field because, you know, it could be, 
it could work for you and it could work against you depending on who you're speaking. Exactly. Well, that's cool. So um, we're going to start winding down, but I do want to know from you in terms of your current location and the community that you're servicing, could you tell us a little bit about that? Kind of like what the vegan scene is there to get a little look into your window? Well, I mean, I have to say that I'm really fortunate. We live in, in Los Angeles and um, as you can imagine, like the vegan scene here is pretty, it's pretty ripe. Um, we're constantly looking for, for more vegan stuff. There is a lot here that's offered. And in most places that you go, they do have a vegan, uh, you know, a vegan, vegan option or two, which again, it's not the most, um, with how easy it is now to make dishes vegan, it's not the most, uh, to have an option or two isn't the best thing. But I think that we have so many incredible vegan spots that are completely vegan. That's pretty much where we dine. Um, and we're always finding new stuff. Like we walk by stuff now just in our local neighborhood and we're like, wow, we had no idea this place was completely vegan. And it's it's places that have been around for years. And so it's it's nice to just constantly be, you know, exploring new places and, and finding just amazing food um, in the vegan scene here in Los Angeles. And do you have any specific recommendations that you want to put out there in terms of vegan spots if someone were to be coming out to Los Angeles in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so there's a there's a great place called Crossroads, which is um, just uh, here on Melrose, which is really great. They do like a really a really great like chicken and waffles for brunch. They do um, an amazing dinner, but then there's this. Um, there, there's an Italian place that we just found called Pira Vita, and it's in West Hollywood on Santa Monica Boulevard, and their entire menu is vegan. Um, they have a pizzeria on one side, and then they um, are a full vegan Italian restaurant on the other side, and it's we've been there three times now. We just recently found it uh, within the last month. We've been three times, and it's right. It's incredible. It's incredible food. They make all of their own meats, all of their own cheeses, and um, the food is is pretty epic. So we are over here in South Florida. The main thing that we do with SoFlow Vegans is we spotlight these vegan restaurants, these veg-friendly restaurants, the events and everything. Do you have anything like that in Los Angeles? Because I would love to connect with um, those people out there. Any like community organizations that are drawing attention to these organiz- um, these businesses? Yeah, so we do, um, you know, we have like uh, Smorgasbord here, which is a big thing from Brooklyn, but every once in a while, you know, they always have big vegan, um, they always have a big vegan presence there, but they also... They also host just vegan fairs sometimes, um, which is really cool. And then um, there's also several different vegan uh, food festivals there's like a vegan food fair that happens every few weeks i believe here that's in the valley um i I can't recall the name of it but i'll I'll definitely have to shoot you the info for that okay and then in closing this is an opportunity just like we have the bookend at the beginning with the origin story i like to give our guests an opportunity just to share what's on their heart no i'm not giving you any specific prompts just whatever you want to 
you know, carry over to our audience to walk away with, you know, this is your opportunity to share that message? You know, I would say that it's, it's really important to listen to your gut instinct. Um, I think that we, we live in a world that it's very easy to cloud your brain with either being on your phone or, you know, and I'm not saying don't be on your phone because that's just kind of that that's just kind of the world that we live in now. It's 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 just our way of communication. But I think it's it's really important to be hyper aware of when you're on your phone who you're communicating with. And it's important to always listen to yourself, listen to your gut instinct. So when you when you feel yourself leading yourself to a certain direction, follow that because that's just not yourself talking. That's that's somebody else pushing you. And so I think it's important to, to allow yourself to guide yourself into the next step of your life and just to always be true to yourself and to just be honest and, and willing to, to step into some things that are uncomfortable sometimes because those are the things that can, can really have some big change, some big positive change in your life. You are listening to the SoFlo Vegans podcast with Sean Russell. Hi, I'm Jessica Delgado. I am the regional director of Sobe Vegan, and I am with SoFlo Vegans. We cook everything here fresh. We use avocado and sunflower oils in our cooking techniques. So if you are gluten-free, if you're looking for low-carb options, you're looking for keto options, just a good meal all around. Everyone in your family has something on this menu that they could sit down and enjoy and want to come back to try something else. You can go for a salad, you can go for a power bowl, you can try some of our cold plush juices, we also have organic smoothies, and then of course you can't forget the fun stuff, we have burgers, we have fries, so literally anyone from the family would find something they can enjoy here. So my favorite is the acai. Our acai bowl is fresh, organic, and wild harvested. It's topped with organic strawberry, blueberry, banana, and our gluten-free granola. In case you haven't heard, we are kosher certified at both of our current locations, both in Fort Lauderdale and here in Miami Beach. We also have two new locations coming that we're very excited about over in Coral Gables and Edgewater, Florida. We love our guests. We love to take time to talk to our guests. So if a guest has any kind of dietary restrictions or any thing like that, we like to take the time to go over a menu with them and explain to them their options. All of our packaging is compostable and we take pride in that. We care about our environment. Uh, we care about our future. Uh, we care about feeling good, not only about, you know, after we eat a meal, we want to feel good about what we just ate, but knowing that it's not just good for our bodies, but good for the environment. We want to thank Chris Tucker from Better With Butter for joining us again on the show. We really appreciated having a conversation with him and we want you to go and check him out and all the things that he is up to. And another big shout out to Sobe Vegan for their support, for helping us get our first vegan night event off the ground. Now, I said I would get a little bit more into this during the tail end of the episode. And the whole idea behind our vegan night episode, uh, vegan night events rather, is to bring the community out for us to have a fun outing, memorable experiences. Maybe you can try food for the first time and just kind of pile it all together into this really cool thing. So we did it with the dolphins. It wasn't a night event, but it was a fun ex, you know, excursion for us to have. And then we're doing it with the Miami Heat. 
so we're going to continue to do this find these opportunities bring it to the community and hopefully everyone shows up and has a great time so go to soulflowvegans.com if you want to find out more about these side pub events even if you're not in south florida it'd be, be cool and give you guys some ideas to do things in your neck of the woods and always feel free to reach out if you you need any support if you you know want to find out we're going to be start doing some tours around the country and going to different parts to look at the communities that are out there we just came from orlando so we would love to come and visit you so if you are a community organizer or you know one connect us contact at soulflowvegans.com we would love to come and see you and that does it for today's episode thank you so much for listening and we look forward to having you come back real soon Today's episode was produced and edited by Sean Russell. Our associate producer is Lauda Gomez. To become a sponsor, please visit soflovegans.com promo for more details.